Is your phone screen cluttered with a bunch of different travel apps? If you're looking for one app that can track your various loyalty and travel rewards in one centralized place, along with your travel bookings and real-time updates to your flights, check out App in the Air. Best of all, it also integrates with the popular travel app TripIt, making it easy to import all of your travel information. Check out App in the Air and get 20% off of your next flight when you book directly through the app by using the code GeoBreeze at checkout. Thank you to App in the Air for partnering with this episode of the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast. Welcome to the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast, a show for anyone wanting to level up their travel hacking lifestyle. I'm your host, Julia Menez. I'm a travel hacker, coach, speaker, Filipina-American ENTJ who loves solid travel gear and using shortcuts on spreadsheets. On this show, I'm on a mission to bring you travel hackers from all walks of life to help you level up your travel hacking game. We dive into credit cards, miles, points, strategy, mindset, and the secrets behind how to travel the world for next to no cost. So let's get hacking. I learned an important lesson though. I always assume like Amex Platinum and Chase Sapphire trip, you know, coverage is similar. It's not. Amex Platinum, $500 per itinerary, no matter how many people are on it. Chase Sapphire, $500 per person. So, you know, we would have been able to cover more than the hotel, like the food, the Ubers back and forth, et cetera. But I guess we can add that to my list of mistakes. I use Amex Platinum to pay for it. Hey there, points people. You just heard a clip from Bryce Conway of 10X Travel. Bryce is the founder of 10xtravel.com and author of Take Off, How to Travel the World for Next to Nothing, and How to Fix Your Credit. Do it once, do it right, get on with your life. Bryce's work has been featured in multiple national media outlets, including Good Morning America, Money Magazine, and ABC Nightline News. Bryce created 10x Travel in 2014 and has been hanging out in the Points and Miles community since 2011. In this episode, Bryce and I discuss a trip that he and his family took to Uruguay and all the things that did not go according to plan on the way there. We're talking about flight delays, lost luggage, and what to do if the same thing happens to you. One of my favorite credit cards that has trip protections for when travel does not go according to plan is the Chase Sapphire Preferred. In addition to all of the points it earns, you also have trip cancellation and trip interruption coverage, lost baggage coverage, purchase protections, and more. Remember, if you're interested in applying for a new card, never ever apply through Google. Always support your friends and favorite creators by using their referral links. If you are interested in supporting this show when you apply for your next card, check out geobreezetravel.com slash cards. And we have a link to the Chase Sapphire Preferred for you in the show notes as well. And now, on with the show. Hey, Bryce. Welcome to the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast. Hey, Julia. Good to be here, and thanks for having me. Of course. Excited to chat with you today. And before we get into all of the awesome stories we're going to talk about today about how you're able to take a month away from Ohio winter to travel to South America, all of the flight fun that you guys had getting to South America and how to deal with that with the different coverages that we have on credit cards before we get into all of that. Give us a little bit of a background for anybody who doesn't know who you are and tell us about how you got into Points and Miles and grew what is currently the largest Facebook group for Points and Miles. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah, so name's Bryce Conway. I'm founder and CEO at Conway Media. We own 10X Travel is probably the brand that most people are familiar with. We also own Mile Value and 10X Money. I've been doing points and miles for a little over a decade now. I was very fortunate to get into this like late into college. I stumbled upon it when looking for ways to save money on spring break. I was just doing some Google searches on how to like fly for cheaper and, and save money on flights. And none of those found anything that was worthwhile. 
at the time. But what I what I did see is that most of the pop-up ads on every browser I had were for airline credit cards. And all of them had the same kind of sales pitch, like open this card and 50,000 points or two free flights or whatever. So I think I was 22 at the time. I was My income was like $2,500 a year as a college tour guide. But I was like, whatever, let's just try it. Like, what's the worst that could happen? So I applied for one of them. It was a Southwest card. And I was immediately approved on that income. And I was shocked. You know, I thought, oh, credit cards are for grownups. I'm just a college kid. The The minimum spend is only like a thousand bucks. So I, I used it to buy my textbooks for the upcoming quarter. Lo and behold, I actually got like what they promised. Like I was hoping like, oh, maybe I'll save half of a flight, but I earned enough points for two free flights. And I, I used them to take this epic spring break, you know, from Ohio down to Florida for the first half of the week. And then Florida out to Las Vegas for the second half of the week, just because like I had these points to use. I'm like, why not? And had a great time and came back and kind of like thought to myself, like, oh, that was really easy. Like, why, why wouldn't I just do that again? Like I was waiting for something bad to happen. Like I checked my credit score. It actually went up. Uh, I was waiting for like the bank to be like, hey, you can't just like earn points and, and blow them like that. It was the opposite. They sent me more offers for cards. And I'm just like looking around like, thinking, why wouldn't I just continue to open cards, earn points and travel? So I Googled something like open credit cards to earn points and travel. And I stumbled across like Flyer Talk and kind of the earlier forums in the early days of this hobby and down the rabbit hole I went. So it was just tons of soaking up knowledge, learning as much as I could and kind of learning through some of the bumps of the early going in this game. And, and off I went. And I guess the rest, as they say, is history. What were some mistakes that you made early on where you want to tell listeners, don't do this? Yeah, tons. So biggest ones would probably be card choice. I was very impulsive. I would I would often try to work backward with trips. So I'd say, okay, I want to go to Paris. Who flies there? All right, get the list. How many points for flights? Okay, get the list. And I'd start making card choices like that, which I guess in the grand scheme of things, isn't the worst strategy for to follow. Some people to do that very successfully. But for me, it was a bit short-sighted. I was getting like the US Airways card and other kind of airline particular cards that would fit a particular need, but maybe didn't give me the flexibility down the road. And I would really only earn points for a specific use, and then I would stop earning them when I was done with it. So I could have planned a little bit better ahead. And then also, perhaps the biggest mistake I made kind of in my entire time with this is I I once transferred 100,000 chase points to Southwest because I thought that would earn me a companion pass. And I waited like a week and it didn't. And I like called Southwest and I was like, hey, I have enough points. Like, where's my companion pass? And they're like, yeah, transfers don't count. I was like, I was bummed for like three days, <laughs> but ended up using them anyway. You know, lesson learned. We all kind of make mistakes like that, but surely there's there's many more I'm not thinking of, but those ones come to mind immediately. Yeah, that hurts. So if yeah. anybody was curious, oh, can I just get a Chase Sapphire Preferred and a couple other Chase cards and then just move them over to my Southwest Rapid Rewards to get the 125000 that you need for Companion Pass. You cannot. Don't do that. You cannot. Yep. <laughs> so how did this go from the hobby of just getting to travel for free for yourself to eventually building a business out of this? Yeah. So, so kind of a wild story with that one too. So I... So I got into points, as I said, senior year of college. I did them for maybe two to three years, kind of just as a hobbyist. And I post on Facebook, because people used to post on Facebook back in that day, about kind of where I was going and what I was doing. And my wife and I would do 
like long weekends and you know we're like 23 we're not making a bunch of money but we each take like a friday off work we'd fly thursday overnight we'd go to like london for 36 hours and fly home and eventually like post about that enough and and people are like yo like how do you do that you know I, i'm pretty sure you're broke like us i know what job you do i know like your hobbies like you don't come from family money like how do you do that and i would start to kind of explain it to people one by one and eventually it got to a point where it was almost like a like a social hindrance every time i'd go out to happy hours or house parties with friends i would end up in the corner surrounded by four to six people who are all asking me the same questions and i'm kind of teaching them one off here and there and that got to be kind of annoying because i wanted to socialize so I, one day I was kind of frustrated. So I just tapped up like a quick email, like here are the very basics of how it works. And I use that as like my social shield. So when people would kind of pin me in the corner, like, hold on, what's your email? I'm going to send this to you, read this, and then we can kind of chat on Monday. And I just kept on expanding that email as FIQs would come back so that I wouldn't have to deal with it. And eventually it got up to like 15,000 words or some like ridiculous amount of explanation. And a friend of mine who had kind of gone through that whole pin Bryce in the corner asking questions he like made an offhand comment, like you should just put this in a PDF and try to sell it on the internet. And it's like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. I could launch a website pretty easily. And or so I thought, so I tinkered around some names. I found that getfreeflights.com was available. And for some reason that really excited me at the time. I was like, man, people are probably Googling this like crazy. I'm going to get so much traffic. And, and we did not good traffic. And we can talk about that another time, but I put together a PDF. It was like 60 pages. It was like, it was pretty rough. And then I put up one of those sales pages from like the 2009 era with like the red headline, like airlines hate this guy. Like he'll show you how to like hack their systems and all this kind of stuff. And I just threw it up on the website, getfreeflights.com. And I kind of just expected it to like blow up, like, oh, like free flights. Like people are going to tell each other about it. It was a total dud, like womp womp. I think like two high school friends bought it. My mom bought a copy, just like some sympathy traffic and purchases. So I was like, oh, that didn't work out so well. But I got a really lucky break. I got an email from ABC News, like a producer. And they're like, hey, like we happen to see like your, your Facebook posts about all these cool things you're doing. Like, can you come on, come to New York and kind of tell us about it? Like, oh, sweet. Yeah, let's do that. So I, I went to New York and they ended up surprising me. They're like, okay, actually, you're going to go to Florida today. And we're going to have one of our anchors go along with you. And we're going to kind of compare every step of the way. Like, you know, she's going to purchase conventional tickets and do things normally. We want you to show you kind of your hacks and all that kind of stuff. And we're going to like compare the costs at the end. So I did that. Turned out to be a great bit. And it ended up getting syndicated like everywhere. Like it was on Good Morning America, Nightline News, World News. Like 9 million people saw it, is what ABC told me. And I sold like 52 copies of the book. I'm doing the math. And I'm like, well, if I if I reach every human in the world, you know, I might sell like what, 800 copies? <laughs> so I'm like, okay, this isn't going to work. But by happenstance, I got another email from some, someone who worked at Barclays. And they're like, hey, we want to like have a phone call with you. Like, are you that guy from the news? Like, we want to talk to you. I'm like, uh-oh. Like, I'm thinking like legal trouble or something. Because I explained in the bit like kind of how to take advantage of their card. And some of it's kind of aggressive strategy. So we scheduled a call and I hop on kind of like expecting to get sued or something. And they're like, hey, we'd like to like pay you as a credit card affiliate. And they're like, like, you're familiar with that, right? And while I'm on the phone, I'm like Googling, like, what is a credit card affiliate? And I'm like kind of quickly reading. I'm like, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm totally down. Been waiting for this phone call, you know, <laughs> like trying to play it off as cool. So they got me set up with like my first credit card affiliate link. And then I was able to take that plus my recent media coverage 
to the, you know other banks and their representatives and say, hey, like I was just on the news, I'm working with Barclays, is it okay if I work with you too? And from there, it's pretty easy to get a lot of yeses. So now I could get paid pretty much like referring people for cards, but you know, giving you cash. And I decided like, let's give away the book for free. Let's just tell people straight up, like I'm going to educate you for free in exchange. Just use these links to apply for cards as long as the deals are the same. And that's how it started growing to a business. Revenue started to you know, grow each month. People tell their friends about it. They're, they're Amazingly, they're way less skeptical when it's free. Like I would assume, you know, someone gives you something for free, can be very skeptical. Like what's the catch? It hasn't really been the case. And people, friends tell friends, tell friends and kind of slow growth into a, a business that eventually they will do full time. How long did it take to go from the inception of this, getting cornered in the corner of a party, sending the email, turning it into PDF, ABC News, all the affiliate links? How long does it take you to go from that to full-time? So it took me, I'd say, like four to five years is how long it took until I left my job full-time to do this full-time. I think it probably could have been sooner, but I was able, I was really into like Tim Ferriss at the time. It kind of like this four hour work week, like get your job done quick hacks. And I was able to do a lot of that to my day job. So I had that kind of running on autopilot while I was doing this, like many times from my day job. Sorry, sorry to my old boss if you're listening, but it got to a point where it's like, okay, I was making more money from this than my day job about two years after launching it. But the two didn't really like have a conflict. So I was able to do both for a while. And then at some point I was like, eh, this is, you know, doing well enough. I'm ready to jump out of my own and finally was able to do it and was totally thrilled about it. So much, so much easier to find award space when you don't have to worry about like vacation days and all that kind of stuff. And honestly, that was kind of a big driver in making that decision that I want to travel more. That's my biggest restriction. And it's, it, you know, the time has come to do it. So as you had mostly automated your day job, was 10X taking up a crazy amount of time or did you have both of them just kind of automated? And how do you do that with everything that you're doing with 10X in the early days? Yeah, so I had both of them running pretty smoothly. With 10X, in a way, it was almost fortunate for me to have that kind of pressure on my time working there. Most of my kind of business development efforts would happen over lunch break. Like I'd take a laptop to work every day. I'd go across the street to a Starbucks and hop on free Wi-Fi. I'd take as long a lunch as I could without getting scolded. And I would try to work very efficiently. And I was amazed at how much better I was able to focus on things, knowing like, hey, you only have you know six hours this week to build this thing. Uh, so it forces you to kind of know like, okay, what is the single most important thing I can work on right now? And that kind of pressure paired with like, you know, being able to use my mobile phone to like answer emails and kind of do basic stuff really forced me to be as efficient as possible and was I think really key in, in getting it off the ground at first. With the kind of remote freedom lifestyle that this afforded you? What are some fun trips that you've gotten to take over the years? Yeah. So the, the first one we did like a week after quitting my day job is uh, my wife and I took our our daughter to Spain just like for the rest of the summer. We we're just like, I quit my job. I'm just going to go hang out in Spain for like three months. So we just got an Airbnb in Valencia, like down the coast. It was like very close to the beach, maybe a five minute taxi ride. And we just kind of lived for a while, just no, you know, no day-to-day schedule, no responsibilities, just a small apartment, kind of just enjoying ourselves and our family. And that was, that was fantastic. That was another time when I, I really kind of put my business to the test. I tried to pretty much go completely off the grid, 
I didn't pack a laptop charger on purpose. And I like I told the folks I was working with at the time, it's in the contractor that said I have one laptop battery for the rest of summer. If you need me, fine, reach out, but know that you're using part of that battery. So make it very, very like important and get to the point. And that kind of went through the same process of my day job. It kind of just forced like, okay, you have a limited resource. You know, you need to aggressively focus on things that matter. And you know, team did a fantastic job and systems work well and and that that really helped a lot. So that was fantastic. And then we we kind of tried to replicate that this this past, I guess, early or late winter, early spring. My wife and I and our two daughters now went down to Uruguay for a little over a month for February. You know, February is a pretty miserable month in the Midwest. I live in Ohio. The appeal of going down there for the winter and being able to walk to the beach and and just kind of hang out was was fantastic. And and we were able to do that. It's very helpful that the time zone is only like one or two hours different. So I could kind of maintain a somewhat normal work schedule and just live life like that for a while. So those have been two recent ones that we particularly enjoyed and points and miles really made this happen. What's your day-to-day like managing all of 10X? Uh, yeah, uh, there's really very few days that are similar. I I pretty much got the business and, and the company to a point now where it everything will kind of run itself you know, with our, we have a fantastic team and involved in all aspects of it, but it's to a point where like, I don't have to do anything for the the trains to stay on time, if you will. But I spend my day to day kind of researching new things I want to try and just kind of going down rabbit holes. Like, okay, I saw this, you know, this other company that I buy jeans from has this really cool email marketing tool. Like, I wonder how we can apply that to points. And I'll spend half a day researching that kind of pulling other like best practices from completely unrelated industries or things that I've seen and just kind of thinking and and talking with the team like hey how could we do this how could we improve that so it's a lot of just looking at everything from the highest vantage point possible and saying let's try to do that so tell us about this Uruguay trip what did you fly where did you stay how many points it cost what kind of points tell us all the details so flights we flew American Airlines mainly because from Columbus we could get to Montevideo, Uruguay, with just one stop, or at least it was supposed to be one stop in Miami. I think I ended up paying cash for that through American Express Travel. Uh, we're, we're kind of in this interesting point in life where, so I, I have two daughters. It's hard to find four award seats, even if you do the prices, it's kind of outrageous. And most importantly, definitely not be flying like business or first class with a five year old and a one year old. So our kind of sweet spot now is premium economy. It's like it's a perfect blend of, of comfort for parents while also being kind of close to the kids and, and everyone has enough space. So we found a, a deal. I want to say it was like 900 bucks round trip. Very cheap. This was kind of during the like the winter wave of COVID was just kind of calming down. So cash made sense there. So we paid cash. One stop to Miami was supposed to be the plan, but we actually ended up getting stranded in Miami, which is something that seemingly half of people in the points world have done in the last three months because American is just a mess right now. Uh, our outbound flight was delayed like just enough that we missed the connection. So we landed in Miami at like 10 p.m. and they had nothing for us till the next day. But there was a, a very long wait to talk to anyone about like rescheduling or getting a hotel or whatever. We ended up staying in the, in the airport for like two and a half hours in line. And it was funny because there's like adults all around us just completely losing their minds and like being kind of aggressive with customer service agents. And then our daughters, five and one, are just kind of cool as cucumbers, amazingly, just waited out. They did a good job. But turns out, like because Americans have been such a mess lately, they didn't have any hotels for anyone. They were like, we're not, we're not going to give any vouchers. You're, you're just on your own. And this was a Saturday night. 
in Miami, like on a spring break weekend. So like I pull up like hotels.com or hotel tonight. The cheapest hotel in the entire city was like 480 bucks for like an airport hotel. So we're like, screw it. We're going to go to Miami beach. So we booked a, a room at, I think it's called the good times hotel. It wasn't a chain. I put it on my American express platinum. I'd use that to pay for the trip. And it, it comes with some trip insurance and they, they ended up covering 500 bucks that hotel, but it was like 600 a night. And we got in there at like one in the morning and uh, not a great night, but the next day we had pretty much a half day at the beach in Miami before we had to head back to the airport. So we made the best of it. Everyone had fun. I bought this like ridiculous tourist tank. It's like tie dye sleeveless, like says like Miami beach fan or something like that. Just outrageous. Had some fun in Miami and then headed back to the airport. We did get an on-time flight that evening and pretty much an uneventful flight down to Uruguay. I learned an important lesson though. I always assume like Amex Platinum and Chase Sapphire trip coverage is similar. It's not. Amex Platinum, $500 per itinerary, no matter how many people are on it. Chase Sapphire, $500 per person. So, you know, we would have been able to cover more than the hotel, like the food, the Ubers back and forth, et cetera. But I guess we can add that to my list of mistakes. I use Amex Platinum to pay for it. So hot tip for everybody. Whenever you're paying your taxes and fees on these these different itineraries, whether you're buying the flight just in cash, I mean, you'll get 5X points with Amex, but if you're paying with points, especially pay those taxes and fees with a Chase Sapphire card, because then if something goes wrong, you have $500 of trip insurance. They lose your bags. If you're stranded in Miami Beach, like Bryce and his family were, was this tank top because of fun or because your clothes were not? Oh, with yeah, you? sorry. They, uh, so. They lost our bags. <laughs> so we got there and yeah, we're like, we'll just take our bags back. It's fine. Like, actually, we don't know where they are. Like, All right, whatever. It's like two in the morning. We're like, they'll turn up by the next day. They didn't. They ended up like the bags went to like Brazil for a while. And then we didn't actually get them in Montevideo until a week after we got there. So I was rocking some pretty cool South American fashion from like the H&M and the Nike store down there. And yeah, that was that was an experience. But it worked out. We uh, We made the best of it and didn't ruin the trip. Did American Airlines reimburse you for any of this, for losing no, your bags? No. So they, they gave us $250 credits each, which is kind of laughable because I'm like, you kind of screwed us over. The last thing I want to do is fly you again. But like, I was pretty aggressive in my email to them. And you know, I guess and, and folks like you know you and me, like we generally know like what to ask for and like what buttons to push. And like, I was going through all the routes, like the Twitter DMs, escalating managers, telling them like past issues I've had and what they paid me at that time. And eventually they're just like, Sorry, this is what you're getting. Don't ask for any more. This is the end of this case. So I was I was really bummed by that. Like America was just, and we we have so many readers who are telling us similar stories. I think that it's just such a widespread issue for them, and, and really most of the airlines at this time that they can't be throwing out these five hundred dollar vouchers like they used to or reimbursing everything. They just told us to to deal with it, and that's all we ever got out of them. $250 vouchers each for a missed flight, losing your bags. Yeah. For everybody who DMs me all the time about how American Airlines or some other airlines did you dirty and how do you squeeze all of the money possible out of them? Sometimes there there is not a way. Even if you are as well-versed in this game as Bryce or me or some other people... I've seen like an email written by James Asquith, who is probably one of the most well-traveled people in the world. It's like open letter to American Airlines CEO, 
lots of things happen. And they, they gave them no compensation. What's frustrating is that they used to actually give you compensation, but now they're like, hey, this is just travel now. If you flew on United, Delta, other airlines, similar experience. So what are you going to do about it? It's, we as the consumers are in a tough spot right now with the uh, travel industry in general. Absolutely. Any other tips for people in general as they're traveling, if they find themselves just in a bind for whatever reason, with just trying to get vouchers or just how how to not have the worst time ever if an airline just loses reservations, loses bags, messes up your schedule, can't figure out time zone differences and messes up your COVID reservations. Like any tips? Well, you, you kind of mentioned one earlier, you know, use a card that gives you protection, use it to pay for everything while you're kind of in that period of being put out, keep all the receipts you can, you know, take pictures of stuff, even like the condition of your bag, everything just kind of document it so that when you get back, you can go through the, the process of filing for a claim. It makes things so much easier. Uh, I think in regard to reservations anymore, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm rechecking everything almost weekly because airline schedules are changing for most flights that I'm taking these days. And a lot of times I won't see the email. I don't know if it's my spam folders have changed or something, but I don't see any notification that I'll go to check in. And it's like, wait a second, I was a morning flight. Like why are there three stops down? I'm leaving at 6 PM. You know, I should have seen that coming. So I'm like so scared. I just, I keep on rechecking things all the time. You know, use apps like TripCase or TripIt, which will notify you anytime your itinerary changes. A lot of times I'll actually get those notifications before the airline app itself will tell me that helps you kind of stay on top of things. If your flights change, like immediately try to get in touch with the airline to to make that change or do so yourself. A lot of times now they'll they'll prompt you to do that. And just kind of be light on your feet. Like you gotta be ready for it. Like we're, you know, my wife and I are even doing that with our with our kids. It's a lot harder when you're traveling with two little ones to have more stops added and longer layovers and such. And I'd say lounge access has been really clutch for us. We I feel like I spent like the last two months, I've spent like 10% of my life in like a centurion lounge. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. Like we have these unplanned layovers like to and from South America. Normally that would be a very horrible experience to have with kids kind of just hanging out at the terminal. But, you know, we're, we're in a playroom and in, in a Centurion lounge, like my wife and I are sipping champagne. Our daughters are playing, you know, dolls or watching TV in the lounge. And we're just like, yeah, this isn't, this isn't so bad. So, you know, you use credit cards, use points. Those are assets to kind of help you in, in times like this when travel is just so bumpy. Great tips. So when you finally made it down to Uruguay, where did you stay? And did you use points or how did that that whole stay kind of get coordinated? Yeah, so we did use points. We we used the Chase Pay Yourself Back with the Airbnb, which I think is actually still, they keep extending it. It's still a thing uh, right now. But we stayed in a neighborhood called Pasitas in Montevideo. It's, it's kind of like a slightly out of downtown, quiet neighborhood that's right on the beach. And we could walk to the beach in maybe five minutes at most. And we just kind of chilled, cooked for ourselves, tried a bunch of new foods, went to the beach almost every day, got out, saw the city, did some, you know, walking tours and things with guides, but really just tried to take it as easy as we could. Took naps almost every day. That was fantastic. And just tried to enjoy the culture as much as we could. But we were able to cover the Airbnb entirely with Chase Points. The valuation on, you know, PYB is, is not the greatest, but I was sitting on a, a boatload of Chase Points from you know, not being able to travel during COVID, but still earn points. That's kind of where a lot of us are right now. And, you know, things just generally aren't that expensive down there anyway. So it was great to have our lodging entirely covered and, and we could focus on spending money on the things that make us happy day to day. If you are listening to this episode thinking, 
I wish I could travel like this, but I don't know where to start. I offer free credit card consultations by email at geobreezetravel.com slash consultations. Additionally, I host a masterclass and group coaching session each month through the Patreon. We've also added a new Patreon feature. Once you've been in the Patreon for 12 consecutive months, I will gift you a vacation voucher to the city of your choice. I've also added an option to sign up for an annual membership. With this option, you will get two free masterclasses each year, and you'll get your vacation package voucher upfront. You can find more information about the vacation vouchers, consultations, and more in the show notes. This week's Patreon shout out goes out to Karen. Thank you so much for being a part of the GeoBreeze Travel Patreon community. How do you earn most of your points these days? Are you still turning through credit cards or is a lot of it through just like ad spend for 10x? Yeah, so, so it's both. I, I do still open cards about as quickly as I can. I probably do, I don't know, maybe one a month is a, is a relatively normal pace for me. But you're right. I kind of have that unfair advantage of I earn a lot of points from just business spend, like actual business spend, not, you know, the quote business spend that a lot of folks do in this hobby. So I'm very fortunate to have a lot of points coming in from that. And that kind of subsidizes about everything that we need. But I, I think that right now is still about as good a time as any for earning through new cards and, and earning bonuses. Because we've just seen this kind of like arms race of sorts among premium cards, just throwing out these bonuses that, you know, people used to go crazy for you know a hundred thousand point bonus even like four years ago was almost unheard of and now that's almost like table stakes so you see like chase and amex just throwing it back and forth to each other and and that's the one time where we are as a consumer winning during this time of, of crazy travel i don't know how it's sustainable for these banks to do this but i am all for it until the devaluations come I know. Yeah. I, I think we're all just kind of waiting for that, especially like Hyatt. Like I'm, I'm every day I wake up just waiting for an email like from Hyatt, like we've made changes to our program because they're just so far out in front of every other hotel right now. But I think you're right. And I think that that's something that people should be keeping in mind. Like if you're sitting on a stash of points right now, those are not going to be more valuable a year from now than they are today. You know, cash those in, start using them whenever you can. Even if it's what like we call in the 10x world, a hashtag unsexy redemption, like, like my Airbnb. Maybe it's not the best valuation or it's not that first class flight you've been chasing for years. But if, you, if you're sitting on a you know multi-six figure sum of points and you have enough to cover it, like you might consider doing that just because we don't know what the future is going to hold. How did you decide on that area of Montevideo? Yeah, good question. So I was looking for somewhere where we could really get away from pretty much all tourists. Like we've we've been to Argentina, you know, we've done Buenos Aires and and kind of some of the more touristy parts of South America. And I was just kind of looking around and, and Googling it. You know, where, where could we go? Where my goal was, I don't want to encounter other Westerners. And I, I want to try to avoid speaking English. And I want to just fully immerse myself in the culture. And so Uruguay kept coming up as kind of one of these hidden gems. It's a really great place to go because it's it's one of the only places in South America where as Americans, like you can drink the water. You're probably not going to have any sort of like, you know, stomach issues. It's, it's relatively safe. Everything is pretty inexpensive. The weather is great. The people are incredibly friendly, easy to get around. Just kind of had all things we were looking for. So I just, you know, I, I get that question a lot because most people are going down to, you know, Brazil or Colombia these days. And I think that's that's why I chose there. So I kind of wanted to get away from, from the normal. Do people speak slow Spanish or fast Spanish? So down there, they speak fast Spanish, but it's also like this weird blend of Spanish and Italian almost like its own language, like technically Spanish. But if you, you know, have learned Spanish kind of taking what would be like, I guess, Mexican Spanish, like what's taught in most schools in America, it's completely different. 
Like I couldn't even understand some basic phrases. So I'd have to speak super slow and then they'd respond to me very slow. And then that, that would do it. But generally it was hard to pick up the language down there. I found that if I want to practice my Spanish, Peru and Ecuador are great because they speak very slowly. And for some reason, all of the coffee shops are run by these super nice old people who can't speak English. And so they're, they're speaking very loudly and slowly anyway, and they can't just revert to English when you don't understand. So you have to try to practice. And so those two countries were great. If somebody wanted to do a points hotel in the Montevideo area, are there any options? There's there's pretty much one, Hyatt-centric. And it's actually so cool that we stayed there anyway, even though we had an Airbnb already paid for. It's also in Pesitas. It's literally right on the beach. Fantastic property. Feels like it was built within the last like eight years or so. I, I want to say it was only 15,000 points a night or like 12,500 a night at the time because it was off peak. So we like we could literally see our Airbnb out the window and we still went and stayed there because it was so cool. Got got a suite like on the very top floor. The dining there was fantastic. We went to the same beach that we'd normally go to with the Airbnb, but uh, that that is the only place I would look at if you're taking a points trip to Montevideo. Good tip. Any other just general tips for people who are looking to travel to that part of the world? Yeah, so you'll definitely want to get out of the city. There's a fair amount to do beyond just Montevideo. In particular, I'd recommend going to a place called Colonia. I believe it's one of the oldest kind of settlements in South America. It's actually right across the bay from Buenos Aires. When we were there, we could see the skyline of Buenos Aires. You can take a, like an hour-long ferry. I think it might be about a three-hour drive from Montevideo, but it's just kind of like the very old school, like fortified settlement. So it was owned by like six different groups of people throughout history. So you have influences of each that are, are super neat. Great way to spend a day. Highly recommend going there. And then also just getting out in the country. We went out and we stayed in this bed and breakfast. It was 45 minutes out of the city, but it's, it felt like you're kind of staying on like a ranch. We rode horses, went down to a beach where we were the only people in sight for infinite view in all directions. Weather is fantastic. The food is great. Everything's relatively inexpensive down there. So it's, it's, it's great to just kind of get out and about, try the food. The, the beef in particular is, is world renowned down there. There's a lot to do. How did you get around? Did you just rent a car? No, we so we did Uber when we were like within the city, which was very widely available, or we just hired like private shuttles. Things down there, as I mentioned, are relatively affordable anyway. But right now in particular, Montevideo is mainly a town that gets tourists from cruises and cruises have pretty much stopped during COVID. So if now's a great time to travel down there because you can get things like shuttles and, and private tours for a fraction of what they would normally be because they're just, they're looking for, for anything at this point. Um, so we made friends with the, Javier, our shuttle driver, used them for like four different excursions and it was a lot of fun. Awesome. That sounds like a fantastic trip. So with everything that you learn about Montevideo, Uruguay, points and miles in general, what would be your number one tip for listeners today that can fit on an Instagram quote card? I would say continually earn points aggressively. It's the same mistake that I made starting out. It's the same mistake I see hundreds of my readers make every day and, and talking to them. People tend to stop earning points when it's like, hey, I don't have a, a trip in mind or like I've already booked everything. I don't know. It takes a while to earn enough points to do kind of amazing things that we see on you know your Instagram account throughout our entire space. And it's very difficult to pull that off if you just kind of earn points sporadically. I encourage people to think of earning points like it's a job. Like if you buy a house, you don't quit your job because you've already made the down payment and you're not like, oh, 
I don't need any more money at this time. Like, of course, people take breaks in employment and such, but there's going to be something down the road. There's going to be a wedding, uh, a family emergency, a random trip with friends who all want to go to Ireland to catch up. And if you put off earning points and, and you don't have a big stash of them to work with, you're not going to be able to make that happen in a way that you want it to. So just keep earning points aggressively, even if you don't see an immediate use for them. Yes, they're going to lose value, but they're going to be down there or ready for you to use when, when the time comes. Especially the flexible points are the best yeah. ones to, to aggressively get. I mean, how many yeah. points does somebody really need? But lots no, of key no, points. Yeah. Hilton points, you can never have enough. That's because everything costs a million points. I know. Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. Like, it, you literally blow a million points to do like a week at some of the nicer Hiltons in the world. So, yeah, go for the flex points. I guess I don't know how big this card is for the advice, but earn points aggressively. Make sure they're the right points. I, yeah. I can't tell you when people I encounter are like, hey, I have 600,000 Delta miles. Like, that's super cool, but I don't know what that's going to buy you. That might be uh, two economy tickets to Greece. We don't mm. know. <laughs> you know. Yes, the sky pesos. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, good tip. Speaking of good tips, can you give a shout out to somebody else on the internet who listeners should go follow for awesome points and miles advice? Yes, I, I've been thinking about this because I listen to your podcast quite a bit. And I want to give a shout out to Megan Heaster. Now, granted, she's our she's our community manager for our Facebook group. But Megan has her own Instagram account, which puts out some amazing points and miles content. And really, she's she's one of those people in the space. Who, she's been doing it for quite a while. She knows more about points and miles than me or pretty much anyone I've ever met. She's got all sorts of cool stories of redemptions and things that she's done. And I'm, I'm trying to encourage her to, to put those out more onto her Instagram account, into our ecosystem at 10X, because I mean, she just has a lot to say. So Megan is a fantastic follow on Instagram. I don't know her Instagram handle off the top of my head. Oh, the and, points she will earn. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I was thinking like all the places you go. I was like, it's something like a Dr. Seuss thing, but you're absolutely right. That's it. 10 out of 10 should follow her right away. Perfect. And where can we find you on the internet? I'm on Instagram. I think I'm just Bryce.conway. I don't post as much as I used to. Really, the best place to find me is, is the 10 Travel Insiders Facebook group or just 10xTravel.com or email me. I, as, I, as I'm kind of getting older, and I don't know if it's an age thing or just kind of being around for a while longer, I have less of a desire to kind of like publicly like share all the things I'm doing, more of a desire to just have conversations with people in smaller settings and answer questions and such. So yeah, I'd say that's probably the best place to find me. Your next business move is not to create a TikTok of you dancing and creating points and miles content <laughs> in that forum? Yeah, maybe someday, but not today or tomorrow or anytime soon. But yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you, Bryce, so much for coming on to the show. We learned so much about Uruguay and Montevideo and also just what to do when it hits the fan with American Airlines or any of these other companies because that happens to so many of us. But thankfully, a lot of the credit cards we talk about on this show have good trip protections. So people's lives suck a little bit less when things happen like that. Indeed. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure to talk to you and, and keep doing the good work you do with the podcast and everything you do. I, I really enjoy taking in all of your material. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast. If any of the cards mentioned in today's episode piqued your interest, please check out the links in the show notes for more information on any of the cards. Also, if you apply for a card using the links on that page, I may receive a commission too, so please and thank you. 
P.S. I hear the links work better in Internet Explorer or Safari, and sometimes the credit card applications tend to glitch out in Chrome. Additionally, it would mean the world to me if you could subscribe to this podcast, leave a five-star review, and share it with a friend. And if you would like to make even more travel hacking friends, please sign up for the Patreon to access our monthly masterclass hangouts. We dive deep into a particular points program each month, and you'll get to ask all of your travel hacking questions and enjoy being around other people who enjoy points and miles just as much as you and I do. If you would like an invite to the next one, head over to geobreezetravel.com hangouts to sign up to be on the invite list. Take care and happy travels!